Hi everybody, this is Josue from The Simple Christian. Thank you for joining me uh, today in this beautiful day. I'm actually under the weather. I've been diagnosed with what's called a rhinovirus. It just means common cold. There's no correlation between the rhino and myself, but that we're both cool. So today I wanted to share two poems. But before I do, I wanted to share with you guys what these poems mean to me and actually why I started writing poems or why I got myself into poetry. It's around the sixth grade where I first came across a rapper named Eminem, whom we're all familiar with, who's probably the lyrical monster living today. And I came across one of his EPs. And after listening to his EP, it was through that that I started kind of dibble-dabbling for lack of a better term, with poetry. And started picking up different poetry books and they just wasn't fitting with me. I didn't really like the way that they were being written. I didn't like the stanzas. I didn't like the, I guess, how it was manufactured, I guess. I mean, that's probably not the word, but it's how I perceive a lot of these poems. They're pretty, they're built in such a way that they have to be in such a way. I just wanted to use the the poetic license and just write, right? I'm not writing in five, eights and fives. I'm not writing in bigger, longer columns or whatnot. I'm just writing and I give me the freedom to write. Now granted, there are poetry contests or poetry slam contests that if you require you to write with structure or a certain structure, they want you to construct them in such a way. Now, I won't be talking about that today, maybe on a different episode, but today I wanted to share this one poem called Patience. Now with this word or with this poetry, patience sort of taught me a lot. It taught me to wait and not to choose to mediocre things that life can give, but that only God can give. So if we wait on God, then we will receive something that's far greater than what the earth or what impatience can give us. If we wait on God, then we're following number one, his will, and we're being obedient to God. But for the most part, we tend to do things on our own. So I will share with you guys with this poem and hope you guys are blessed by it. Don't be so swift to choose only from what your eyes can gaze. You deserve better than mediocre. Don't be fooled into the grapevine like Marvin Gaye. Unable to see the future I have you depended on God's will over your grave. Quick to speak and slow to listen. Has many enslaved at their cause. Lack of faith has them trusting in what their eyes decor. Patience is a virtue. I'm sure you've heard that before. Yet many choose to add contrary at the expense of many prickling thorns. Stabbing them from deep within the history of what happened before. But speak not of the after rewards. Drowning in the sorrow of their impatience. Deliberately placing a piece of wool into the fire pit of their own heart for emotional condemnation. You must esteem yourself above the lies, that somehow God works in human fashion, that our final authority is scripture alone, not a game of human badminton. Precondition for failure when indoctrinated by hearsay and not what the Lord saith. It's a constant reminder to ourselves that as image bearers of God, we are not the tail but the head. Deflect the lies of the devil proclaiming we are nothing instead. Now suppose we can excel in life without the help of our God. Suppose we can pretend to be God in exchange for expediting earthly treasure. We perform self-delusory at the cost of our selfish measure, all for the price of 
in patience. Trusting in Jesus isn't a quick fix phrase. It's a lifelong display of our utmost praise. There's a specific area here in this poem I like to repeat, and it's with the last two lines. It says, trusting in Jesus isn't a quick fix phrase. There's a prosperity gospel that's no gospel that's all over TV, televangelist or mega churches, or even your local church, where they proclaim the gospel that accepting Jesus would fix all your problems, that accepting Jesus, you will have a better vehicle, accepting Jesus, you will live a healthier life, which isn't true. It's true in the sense that with Jesus, you gain a new perspective of life because you know the ruler of your life. But by no means are we like absolved from the trials of life. By no means are we also an avoidance of the tribulations of life. The next line says, it's a lifelong display of our utmost praise. Now, if you've seen other Christians when they're born again, or they're baptized, you probably notice that a lot of them start to like remove their friends, right? Myself, I'm an example of it, right? You, you get, you're, you're saved by God's grace, you are in church, you're baptized, and then the next thing you want to start doing is kind of like, you know, removing everything. It's like clearing out your web browser. You want to start fresh and new. And as much as that is coming with the most positive and healthiest um, intent, it can be harmful, right? Because at the same time, your friends or cousins or family members uh, may not know the gospel. And so the last thing you want to do is disassociate yourself from someone who needs their soul um, to be redeemed and saved, um, not to make space, right? And so let's be more aware and conscious about that. The next poem I have here is called Wake Up Church. And I'll actually talk about this uh, poem right after the poem is done, just to kind of fill you guys in. We live in a time when churches are filled on Sunday service with portable seat warmers, intended for all to listen, to be spiritually fed, yet we've allowed social media to distract us instead, permitting useless notifications to bombard us on various times while scripture being read, cause self-disciplinary can come off too legalistic. Because Christian bringing God's 66 love letter isn't much of an exchange when everything is digital and it's convenient for me not to bring. I mean, the less I have, the better, right? The body of Christ is full of many members like hypocrites, liars, cheaters, backsliders, and whitewashed tuned. Vile with wicked hearts but no ounce of godly room. We're, dark, we're darkened from the sin we secretly indulge in and consume, yet some are quick to exchange the truth of God for human invention. Settle down for earthly incentives, rather suffer in hell for eternal consequences, than repent to God who rescued you from Egypt's vengeance. Take a deep breath, no need to create tension, just trying to clear the air of prosperity preaching. If you're a believer out there, I pray you repent of that false teaching. We're so afraid to divorce our sin lest we become too wary. Christianity and Christian friends for some sound too tacky, as if compromising lifestyles ought not to be an issue. For many proclaiming Christ on one hand while on the other hand offering your life as a living sacrifice and continuing a lukewarm journey that doesn't smell, look, 
or even produce fruits of the Spirit. Rather hide ungodly song lyrics in a heart you profess transformation, no longer stone yet no longer flesh. Just an empty heart-shaped canvas colored in red paint residing between your chest. Don't be fooled or deceived, for God won't be mocked. So we substitute his word with worship. Be content with minimum learning, passionate people with empty heads who love the Jesus that they don't know very well. So in this particular poem, I wanted to address the lack of education that many churches are, um, are, are, are sort of like floating in. Right, there isn't any sort of Christianity one-on-one course attending in a lot of these churches. A lot of the Bible studies are social clubs. They're not. They're not necessarily, you know, preparing you for battle or preparing you for a a you know a letdown that you just went through as far as someone um, passing away or your tough questions. A lot of them are simply you walk in, you eat, you sit down, maybe open up one verse, maybe watch thirty minutes. I'm not saying that those thirty minutes has not in my life or my experience produced good conversation but for the most part a lot of the times they're just talking and a lot of the churches don't have a class on theology or a lot of the, a lot of the churches um uh, what was it don't have a class on uh, apologetics on, on defending the faith they don't tackle tough questions so a lot of us, we, we kind of just kind of go in with our head under, you know, our head buried under the sand. And number one, we don't even bring our Bibles to church. I mean, by default, we at least ought to bring our Bibles. I mean, yes, we have our Bibles on our phone, but that's not the point. The point is, we carry God's word in our hands, not in our pockets. Another area I wanted to, um, to focus on was, we're so afraid to divorce our sin lest we become too wary. We're so afraid to divorce our sin lest we become too wary. We think that a lot of these sins are justifiable, right? That even though you're committing a sin, the ends justify the means. That somehow, even though God may be upset with you, the fact that the result is not as bad. As if God can't see the result. Yet God cannot break his own laws. Because God can't go against his own word. Another area I wanted to hit here was passionate people with empty heads who love the Jesus they don't know very well. Now, that was not a quote that I wrote. That was actually something that was written by Body Balcom. He's a great uh, preacher. Um, and so I wanted to say that, how do you love someone you don't know? How can you share to someone about the person you love if you don't know them? And so we toss the word, I love Jesus. I love the Holy Spirit. I love the Father. But when it comes to talking about them through Scripture, you're unable to do that because you're so used to treating Jesus or the Holy Spirit or the Father like a boyfriend or like a husband. And so you use terms like, uh, Jesus, I love you. You're you're the all in all. You're the greatest thing. I And those aren't bad phrases, but we have to also understand that he's not just always lovey-dovey. He also has the wrath part of him that we will see in a day of judgment. And that his mercy and grace and sovereignty and God's love and how much he carries us through our trials and tribulation. It isn't like a girlfriend or boyfriend because your boyfriend or husband or wife or whatnot, they fail you. God will not fail you. 
And so I wanted to share these two poems with you guys. And I hope you guys are blessed by these two poems. And if I went a little too fast, I'm sorry. Um, maybe you, you guys can write to me and let me know like what I should improve on. Again, this broadcasting or podcasting is just constantly a, a learning a lesson with every episode that comes in. With that being said, may the, uh, the grace of God and the Holy Spirit guide you guys always.